Mud Stories, Episode 35. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I knew I had a lot of head knowledge about God. But I didn't necessarily know how to live that out and what that needed to look like. God just began to break me and bring me to a place of surrender where I just gave up and was kind of like, Lord, you know, if this is what you have for me, then this is what you have for me. And it wasn't until then that I really began to experience joy. I let go. I just let go of the control. The choice was mine to make. And so once I made that choice, then God gave me the strength to be able to follow through on that. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. Today I'm talking with Winter Pitts, wife to Jonathan and mom to four beautiful daughters ages 10 eight, and twins who are five, and they all reside together as a family near Dallas, Texas. Winter describes herself as loving coffee and cookie dough and finds her days amidst Play-Doh, carpool lines, and moments of giggles with her girls. Winter is passionate about our kids learning Christian values and providing tools to make it relevant and interesting and super fun. And in this episode, we discuss Winter's growing up years with her single mom in the inner city of Baltimore, her heritage growing up in church, and the disconnect that developed between what she knew about God and how she lived with God. Winter shares how relationships made her face her selfishness and pride, how she came to terms with her trust issues the scariness of learning to become vulnerable and to stay and not run, and how she made a choice to let go and surrender control to God. And really what Winter is doing now, the ministry that she has, really was born out of her life story. She was driven by this desire to help her own girls connect the Bible with their practical everyday lives And so she started writing things for her own girls and ended up founding a quarterly magazine for tween girls and their parents, and now has just released her very first book entitled, For Girls Like You, A Devotional for Tweens. Now, I loved my conversation with with Winter. I found her insights to be just so applicable to so many of us, really what she's journeyed through in life is so relatable, no matter what mud you've been through, because I don't know about you, but I struggle with selfishness. Uh, We all have trust issues at one time or another. And really, it is a challenge to surrender our control because we like things the way we like them. And surrendering that control to God and letting him have his way with our lives really is such a challenge at times. So before we get to my conversation with Winter, I do want to make you aware Winter is going to be traveling this next week to Uganda with a ministry called Soul Hope. And I'm going to link to it in the show notes. But if you want to follow along through pictures or her writing, I've included in the show notes the links to the ministry of Soul Hope, which is ministering to kids in Uganda who get sand fleas buried in their feet. And they provide not only a way of of alleviating them of that problem, but they provide shoes for the kids and education for them and their families. And Soul Hope is saving lives in Uganda. And Winter is traveling there and she's going to be writing and sharing the message of Soul Hope. And so if you want to follow along with what she's doing, I've included that link in the show notes. You can go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 35. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Winter. Enjoy. Hi, Winter. Welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so super glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. Well, welcome. Excited. 
Yeah, well, I hear um, you've been having some crazy winter where you are. Yeah? We have, and especially for Dallas. I mean, we have had lots of snow and ice and sunshine and rain and sleet, and sometimes it's all been in, in one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. You know, I'm in Southern California, and um, I live by a mountain east of Disneyland, really. But um, it actually, this last year, snowed on the mountain behind my house. It was crazy. We never get snow in Southern California where I am. I mean, in the mountains we do, but right here by my house, I mean, it was on my driveway, which was that so crazy. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So does it does it do that in Dallas very much? No, it's rare, but I grew up in Baltimore. And so even the, the little snow flurries that we get here in Dallas, they'll shut down the whole city. And I'm kind <laughs> of like, oh, great. Like, you know, I grew up when we had to go to school, you know, with snowsuits on. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because that's the East Coast. That's serious yeah. snow over there. So you know how to do winter if you had to. <laughs> I do. My kids, however, think that this is, you know, anytime that we see any flurries, they want to go play. I think it's great. So oh, it's that's fun. so fun. I know with kids, they get so mesmerized by things that they haven't usually seen before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, is there a story behind your name? You know, I, well, I was born in January, which helps. But my mom just says that when she was a little girl, there was a soap opera star, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> and she just used to like the soap opera star. And I don't know what soap opera or if it was her real name or her character name, but uh-huh. my mom just liked it and said when she grew up and she had a daughter, she was going to name her Winter. Oh, I and love it just it. so happened she had me and I was born in January. And she So that did. worked out. Yeah. yeah, it worked out. Yep. Well, I love it. And I love how you spell it with a Y. It's really pretty. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, this is the Mud Stories podcast, and we talk about some mud. And I'm so thankful that you said yes to join me because I think your story is going to be one that really resonates with a lot of people. And I know that our greatest passions in life, the things that we're driven to do, the things that bring us alive, they really often come out of our most challenging adversity. And who we've been, where we've been, what we've faced really often shapes where we end up going and how we give back to the world. And I, I really see that that's been true for you. And so I'm wondering, will you take us back and tell us a little bit about your growing up years, you know, what that looked like for you and some of the experiences you had as a young girl? Yeah, I, like I said, I grew up in Baltimore. Um, uh, my mom raised my brother and I. My dad was was not in the picture, so my mom, my brother and I, my grandmom um, lived right in the city in in the city in Baltimore. And so, oh, wow. um, I you know was exposed to lots of just inner city and um, life, just all of those things that come with that, the poverty and and all those things. But on the flip side of that, I was very fortunate to grow up in a Christian household, uh, so. While I could see what was happening in the world around me, inside of my house was a very safe, loving, Christ-filled environment. And so it was, it was quite a blessing, actually, I can see now, um, that God kind of protected me even in the midst of, of that environment. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home and, you know, uh, but always knew who God was and knew what it was like to um, serve him and to live for him. My mom and my grandma were great godly women and lay that foundation for me. So uh, very fortunate for that. So you grew up going to church then? I did. Yes. I did, did your family have a certain tradition y'all did every week? You know, well, it was sort of like every time the church, I'm one of those kids, anytime the church was open, we, <laughs> <laughs> we were there. And right. my, mom, uh, my mom loves people. <laughs> so, She's an extrovert, yeah? Yes. And oh, so we love were normally it. there until the very end. And so there was Sunday morning service. We had a Sunday evening service. Um, she actually led the youth group on Monday nights. And then it was Wednesday night Bible study and special services on Friday. So um, even though as a little girl, I remember just being like, oh, I'm ready to go home. But now I'm very fortunate because it kept us, it, she kept us pretty occupied and surrounded by, by God's work, yeah. which was a blessing. Well, and as you grow up, I mean, I know for me too, relationships that you make really do solidify some of your decision making 
you know, as you're growing up, you know, whatever your friends are doing, that's kind of what you want to do. I mean, whatever they think is cool, don't you think? For sure. I'm very grateful. And I even, uh, I laugh about it today because one of my best friends uh, as a little girl was, of course, a a member of the church and her mom was involved. And so we did, you know, we just kind of stuck together and even had our own little secret language that we used to write code in (laughs) for each other. So, so it kind of helped us to, um, you know, explore the world around us, but within the perimeters of, we both just knew, we knew God, you know? So, um, it definitely kept, kept me, kept me a little safer, I think, than having some friends that were not growing up in the same, with the same standards. Right. With the same values. Yeah. It makes such a difference. For sure. Okay. So that could kind of sound like you didn't have any problems. Like you were going to church, had God in your life. Talk to me about what it looked like as you were a girl in Baltimore, in the environment you were in, growing up in the church. Were you without problems? What? Absolutely what? <laughs> Tell me a little bit of the mud you started to face as you started to grow and mature into, you know, a young girl. Because I know when we hit, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, I remember entering those pre-junior high years. I don't think you could pay me to go back to junior high. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It not. is such a hard time. So I'd love it if you could just give us a picture of what some of your mud started to look like, what you faced. Well, I think it um, actually starting in about sixth grade, I switched schools and um, my school was a little further away. And so I did spend just a little more time kind of out of, you know, out of home just from, you know, getting older and activities and things. And so friends did start to change and that sort of thing. And I actually found myself um, sort of living almost like two lives, Um, you know, at home and, and, and in my church environment, in my home environment. I, I knew God and I knew uh, the way that, you know, he He wanted me to live. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, at school, I kind of just drifted away and kind of created another world of its own where um, people may have, people knew, my friends knew that I went to church and that I was a Christian, but I didn't necessarily, that didn't translate into some of my decisions um, in the way that I was living necessarily. And so I just kind of started to drift a little bit from that. Yeah. And I didn't really realize what was happening. It's now that I look back and realize that I knew I had a lot of head knowledge about God, but I didn't necessarily know how to live that out and what that needed to look like in my friendships, um, in my, you know, in my schoolwork, in how I dressed and how I represented myself. So it was a, there was a bridge that I didn't necessarily cross as I was getting older, left the God side on one side and the life side on another and the, the connecting pieces took a little while before they actually came together. Yeah. I think that happens to a lot of our kids. You know, you you impart them head knowledge, you tell them the stories, you take them to church, you cultivate that environment where you really feel like it's safe. And yet sometimes that connection in our heart to what we really are doing versus what we know we believe, it's a, sort of a disconnect yes. at times. And I do think a part of it for me was it was um, a lot of, well, I'll, I'll fix that when I get older. Mm, <laughs> you know, it was a lot yeah. of, um, I'll do that. I knew what There'll I There'll be time for do. that. Yeah, but I'll do that later. Like that's kind of for adults, the, this whole Christian living. And I never worded it that way. But now, you know, years later, I can look back and realize that's that's the way I lived. It was, I'll do, I'll have fun as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old which just gets easier and easier to do the older you get and the longer you kind of live in that separate life. Right. Um, and in my mind I was, you know, but when I'm ready to settle down and become an adult, then I, I know how to live. Then I'll get it together. <laughs> then I'll yeah. apply it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where did that lead you? Where did that, because, you know, sometimes when we just veer, we end up over time ending up farther over in a direction that we didn't necessarily intend to go. So I'm wondering, what did that mean for you as you moved forward and started growing into a teenager or even a young adult, really? It, it mostly just meant that um, I lived very selfishly. I mean, I just did what I wanted to do, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. And so that if that meant uh, relationships, hurting people's feelings in those relationships, just kind of um, just a very selfish mindset. And not necessarily thinking about what those consequences or 
what my actions were going to do to those around me. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't a horrible kid, but you know, or a horrible teenager, but definitely a lot of situations and friendships and parties and that sort of thing that I just didn't necessarily need to be in or around or have my mind or my heart uh, full of at the time. But, but I just kind of did whatever I wanted to do, <laughs> which is a, which is a, I mean, I would, I would probably say a lot of teenagers live that way, but, um, knowing now that those consequences, those actions actually have consequences. Yeah, they do. But sometimes we don't see what those consequences are until much later. Yeah, for sure. So it was, you know, I ended up uh, meeting my husband in college and he had a similar background and grew up in a Christian home. And ironically, we both met like at a Greek fraternity party. Ah! <laughs> so, <laughs> it was <laughs> So tell, tell me what you studied in college. Communications. I was a corporate communications okay. major. Okay. Um, okay. So you met at this Greek fraternity party. We met at a Greek fraternity party. <laughs> we went to school. It was a five-year program. And so we met our fourth year there. And it was funny because, you know, as we got to know each other, we both just are like, what were we doing there? Like, we both just knew better, but <laughs> we were both there. <laughs> um, and now I'm very grateful that God protected us and was sovereign in that way to have us meet. Yeah. But um in that, though, we both, you know, I was used to kind of just doing what I wanted to do. And as we started, it was kind of my, he was my first serious relationship. And so as we started growing uh, and knew that we were headed towards marriage, I just had a lot to learn about what that needed to look like. Because, again, I was living very selfishly and doing what I wanted to do. And now there was this person that I actually cared about that actually we wanted to grow together in a relationship, together in a relationship with Christ. And it, I had to pause my life and see like, how did I end up in this place where I was just, uh, you know, just not necessarily living for Christ or not living on the outside as an example of Christ. And, um, I had to pause and really think about, okay, what is this, you know, now, now is that time that I said, when I grow up, I'll do it. And, and, and right. there was that time. Here it know, is. And, yeah, here it was, there it was. And so it just took a lot of, uh, a lot of time and a lot of conversation and a lot of growth. And it took me back to a lot of things that happened in my childhood or growing up without a father in the home or growing up in those poverty stricken environments and just things that I kind of just put aside because they didn't matter because I didn't need to deal with them because I could just live mm. however I wanted to live. But as I met my husband and we started to think about having a family and growing up, it was like, no, those things actually did matter. And, yeah. and I had to start dealing with those things and, and a lot of healing um, and forgiveness and, and guilt that God had to remove from mm. my life for um, things that I did knowing when I knew better. Okay, let's talk about some of that because yes. here's the thing. I think there could be possibly people listening today who grew up without a dad or maybe they grew up in poverty and they've overcome, or maybe they haven't overcome yet. You know, maybe, maybe they're sitting in that city place in Baltimore today, listening to us in the middle of the snow, and they don't have enough money to turn their heater on, you know, or maybe they're just in that place where they need some hope. And you've been there. You've yes. been there. And so let's talk a little bit about all of that. Because in the moment, it sounds like growing up, it was just kind of a side note. You know, you didn't know any different. You had God in your family and your church life. And you just, you, it sounds like God in his protection really covered you in that way. Um, but later, you're seeing the effects as you're considering, okay, now it's time to grow up and do what I need to do to face real life. Reflecting back on on what you faced for those people who maybe are in a place where you'd been, what can you share with them about how you learned that forgiveness was needed and healing was needed? And what in your experience do you, did you start to realize you had faced as a girl that you needed to really work through and heal from? Uh, one of the biggest things for me ended up being a, a trust issue. Hmm. Um, not that I did not trust. Well, I guess I just never allowed myself to trust, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I would not have said I had a trust issue, but that was because I just simply didn't give people a chance to, to, to give me an issue. With <laughs> you weren't trusting. So there was no issue, right? <laughs> if you don't trust anyone, you don't have an issue with trust. <laughs> exactly. That sounds silly, but in my, that yeah. was exactly how 
I operated. I mean, mm-hmm. so even down to, you know, when my husband and I, you know, our, our first fight or even during our dating, it just, anything, I just would shut down and just be like, okay, well, never mind then. I guess you aren't the one. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on next. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, this is all, you know, laughable now, but I know that You're there right. are Very painful, women yeah. that are in that situation that that is the case. And it really, you know, I just had to really start saying like, okay, if this is, if one day I knew, because one day, you know, it was clear as day that this is what God had for mm-hmm. me and he was what God had for me. But then why the next day could I so easily just um, disregard that because I didn't want to put in the work for it? Um, oh, that's so huge. Putting in the work because it is work. Yeah, it I is. mean, when you grow up without a dad around, maybe way in there, there's feelings of, wow, well, if he if he wasn't here, then maybe I might get left by someone else if I let them in. Yes, you know? for sure. Yeah. And so it just was, you know, I, I didn't want to necessarily give anybody that control of, of myself. Mm, control. Um, so that was a big deal because then from there, I always sort of just kept um, sort of, a you know, just boundaries up. Yeah. Just protection and just boundaries. Well, it was self-protective in a sense, yeah. you know. Exactly. To protect exactly. your heart. Yeah. And so I really had to learn that if uh, if God is who I was saying he was, and if if all the knowledge that I had about him was true, then I had to let go of the control because it wasn't necessarily about my husband. It wasn't, um, it wasn't even about myself, but it was about what his plan and what he wanted for my life. And so whether or not my husband would hurt me or would not trust, or, you know, if I couldn't trust him or Mm. any of those things. And, you know, my husband's a wonderful man of God and has never done anything to give me grounds for that. Um, But I really had to, to grow in just learning that if, if God was who he said he was, and if I believed he was who he said he is, then I needed to let go of any of those feelings because he was the one that I was serving and the one Mm. that was going to protect me. Not any person, um, could do anything to change that. So once I started seeing my relationships and my, the world around me through that perspective of, mm-hmm. okay, it doesn't really matter what's happening or what you're saying, because God is the one that's in control of this. Um, then that just made it a little easier. And it still was, you know, it is, it's still a, you know, a work in progress and yeah. a constant surrendering to God, but it really was that change in perspective of, okay, God is the one that's in control of this. Then I could live, I could live freely. I'm wondering, as I hear you describe that, you know, it sounds like the issue really came to your attention for you to wrestle through and struggle with in a relationship with your husband as you were dating and then moving forward with marriage. But I'm wondering, maybe that's where the symptom you became aware of it. But I'm wondering then how that translated to you going back and growing in your relationship with God, because clearly, when we are going to choose to be intimate with God, to open our heart up to him and his way and to really that control that you're talking about, to surrender our control, you know, that whole way of healing and growing through those issues had to translate to your relationship to God too, I'm guessing. How did realizing it in your human relationships then propel you towards growth in your relationship with God? There were so many things in our relationship that uh, left me just feeling a little bit confused because, again, I didn't realize that these were problems. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and so it left me in a place of just confused and just a lot of tears and, you know, just kind of distraught. Do you think that's common for a lot of people to not really realize what their issues are? Oh, for sure. For sure. And I. And again, I think it's just the grace of God that really, because I had that foundation in there, I just came to a place where when you say, when people say they come to the end of themselves, mm-hmm. I literally was just at the end of myself. I mean, we, you know, life was just not what I wanted it to be. Um, nothing around me was going the way I wanted it to go, the way I thought it was going to go. And I just didn't know why or what I could do to change that. And it literally just left me flat on my face and just on my knees. Like was this in out. college or before you got married no, or after just, you married? These are after I was married and there were just lots of things that mm. led in our relationship. And it wasn't a horrible, we didn't have a horrible marriage, but 
just things that just weren't that just but marriage is up. hard. I it think hard. I think when people act like marriage is, oh, I'm just so in love and I'm no, getting no. married and marriage is so <laughs> awesome. I mean, even with two people who love God, who want to follow Christ, it is not easy winter. It is not easy. <laughs> I it mean, work. we're broken people. I mean, Lynn, like you're describing, you don't even realize how broken you really are. I mean, sometimes some of us, we don't really, really understand the depth of our pride you know, the um, self-righteousness we come to the table with, like, well, I've got myself together, but you, buddy, are the problem. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, and um, it takes a lot of real introspection and gut level soul searching honesty to really admit even to our own hearts in our own minds that we've got issues. Yes. And I think you said it earlier, there were between the time that my husband and I were dating until the time that we married and we had our first daughter kind of right away, um, there were lots of symptoms. Mm. Tell me about some of those, because I'm wondering, maybe there's people out there who are feeling like, man, life isn't what I really want it to be right now. And I thought I'm doing everything. I'm checking all the boxes off, going to church, reading my Bible, you know, being nice to people, but like, it's not panning out for me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was there were things like uh, one just in our marriage there were there were you know there was lots of arguing and mm-hmm. fighting and and even though mar- marriage is hard we you know there was a lot of I wasn't going to back down right <laughs> so, well because when we think we're right why would we back down right exactly <laughs> and so that just left there was a lot of you know resentment and bitterness that just started to mm-hmm. form which just in itself just created just not the best environment. Um, for our family. And then there was, you know, I, we had a baby early on and I didn't like my job and we didn't have enough money. And I thought, you know, I had, you know, I went to school and I did all these things to try to get out of the situation that I grew up in. And it just felt like I was kind of reliving that (laughs) again. Yeah. I couldn't control it. I couldn't force a better job or force, um, more income and I couldn't force, um, joy and I couldn't force Mm -hmm. happiness. And, I couldn't force those things to happen. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I was used to living very selfishly. And so if I wasn't happy, I would just move on to the next thing that would make me happy. Ah. Um, and now with a husband and a new baby, there were just, I couldn't just move on. And you couldn't I couldn't just bail. And- right. And I couldn't make it different. Well, and don't you think moving on, that was a way of coping that was like suppressing dealing with what really the lower level issue, you know, the the, exactly. the issue that's underneath it, you yes. know, not dealing with that. It's too scary, too painful. I don't want to face that. So I'm just going to like compartmentalize that and box that away for another day and move on. That's what and I'm that's exactly what yeah. happened. And now you can't do here. That. I was and I couldn't do that. Well, you could have, but that would have been really tragic. Well, I had a one year old looking at me. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, and so it just made it, it definitely just brought me to a place of, mm-hmm. okay, like what is happening? And I, you know, literally just remember putting scripture up in my closet and saying, you know, it was uh, delight yourself in the Lord. And that's mm-hmm. all I could do. And I was kind of like, Lord, I don't even know what that really means to delight mm-hmm. myself in you. Mm-hmm. Like nothing around my environment looks like I want, I don't, I'm not happy with this. I'm not feeling the delight right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so all I could do was write that and put it on my wall. And I would just go in my closet to cry. Mm-hmm. And while I was in there crying and praying, mm-hmm. um, I just would repeat that scripture just over and over again. And I just was, Lord revealed to me how to do this. What does this look like? What do I need? And at this time, I still didn't even know where the root of the issue was. I mean, of course, now looking back, I'm like, well, of course, I grew up as a, a young girl in the inner city without a dad. And, you know, there's things that weren't obvious reasons. But because I had suppressed that so much, yeah. I did not even realize that those were things that I needed to deal with. Well, and your mom and grandma were so wonderful. I mean, they you were. you know, you had love and you were provided for and you were taught about God. But, you know... <laughs> I work in labor and delivery, and I see a lot of um, women who are delivering without partners, you know, without boyfriends or husbands, or maybe they're there, but they're disengaged or they're, you know, they're not in a committed relationship having a baby. And, um, you know, I, I teach them about what to do to take care of their baby as I'm sending them home. And yet in my heart, I just, it, my heart sinks to think, oh, you know, sometimes I just hold the baby and I'm, you know, I'm you know, wrapping it tight. You know how we do at the hospital, we wrap them really tight. And um, 
Sometimes I just take a moment and I just pray over that baby because I'm thinking, you know, I have no idea who I'm sending you home with and I have no idea what you're going to face if you're going to have parents who are going to be there for you. And I think God in his merciful grace can cover those cracks, you know, that are missing. And even if there's a loving single mom, I mean, I've been a single mom. I know what it's like. It's so hard. And, um, you know, we just do the best we can when we're single moms. And yet there is that peace in a, in a child's heart that longs for both parents, you know, and, yes. and I hear what you're saying in that, you know, it, it didn't really surface the issues didn't come until later in life for you but when they started to come god was seemingly so gracious in yes. teaching you little by little how to move toward him and heal those places that that were were missing those cracks where his his grace can cover it yes for sure yeah so um, how did you experience that in those times in the closet and you're you're you know crying out to the lord how did how did number one, God meet you in a real way? And number two, how did you decide to choose to be teachable? Because I think that is so key. A lot of people resist that. They just get angry and bitter and let that grow. Yeah, it was. it's literally just the grace of God. I don't know um, why he chose to allow me to even, uh, why he was so gracious to allow me to go through this within an environment of a loving environment of a husband that had come from a family with a mom and a dad that had been through. So my husband, his patience. So I, and I, and I loved him. So I knew I didn't want to just bail. I knew I didn't want that. I just didn't know how to move on. And so I think being in that environment and being uh, surrounded with physical people that were showing God's love to me gave me just the, the insight of, you know what, I know that there's a different way. And I know that God has something different that he wants for me and wants me to experience. Um, and I just needed to figure out what that was and how to get it. And because I had so much head knowledge, you know, I didn't know that I needed to do anything different. So I just couldn't understand why why the gap wasn't closing. Um, mm. And so just slowly after just really saying that prayer and not knowing what that meant or what I needed to do, God just began to break me and bring me to a place of surrender where I just... I say I gave up because I literally just kind of gave up. I gave up trying to win. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't I didn't need to win arguments and I you know, I gave up wanting the big house or wanting the I just gave up and was kind of like, "Lord, you know, if this is this is what you have for me, then this is what you have for me." And mm -hmm. it wasn't until then that I really began to experience joy, um which then, you know, it just was a trickling effect. It so you let of, go of the control. I let go. I just let go of the control. Wow. And I will say to the person that's kind of listening to this and yeah. being like, oh, great, you know, like, you know, you surrendered. But it, I didn't surrender. <laughs> it happily. does. It can sound trite, right? <laughs> you went with a little bit of kicking. Is that what you said? I went with lots of tears and I didn't give yeah. up like, OK, God, well, this is what you have for me. Then I'm OK with it. I gave up sort of in defeat. Mm. Oh, <laughs> kind of like, yeah. you know, OK, God, if this is it, then, you know, great. Thank you. Like, <laughs> this is it. Like you were kind of um, upset. Yeah, I was I was not yeah. happy about it, but I really just was was at the end and didn't know what else to do different. And I knew that I wanted to create an environment for my family where at the very least I could I could be happy. Yeah, <laughs> um, because, again, you know, I did see that I experienced not growing up with a lot of resources or um, lots of things that people around me had. But I did mm -hmm. have my family. My mom had joy. And she was humble and she had peace. Mm. And, and so I experienced that. And so I was just at the place where I was like, you know what, Lord, if that's all that, that I can give right now, then it, that's, that's just what I, that's what I'll take. That's going to be enough. Um, yeah. 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 And, and ultimately those are the most important things too. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, you know, God is so gracious because then from there, he really just began, I began to just ex experience joy just in my everyday moments. Um, with my family and with my husband and accepting his forgiveness when I, when we had a big argument and I was wrong or I did something that, you know, hurt him. And then also being able to offer back that forgiveness was mm. just, just once I let go of control, it just life just became easier to deal with. So you really just made a decision to stop 
control, to stop being stubborn, to stop being insistent on your own way. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. That's an answer that maybe a lot of people don't want to hear. Because, you know, they're looking for, well, what can I do? What book can I read? What person can I talk to? What, um, what new relationship can I find? What new addiction can I get, you know, to fix it all? And I think, and I had been there. I mean, I was used to just moving on and just searching for those things and, you know, just what else will make me happy? Well, maybe reconnecting with this person will make me happy. You know, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. shopping or mm-hmm. sleeping or mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it was yep. I'd been there. And that's why, and, and I didn't know how to do different. And so I just encourage women that are in that place. I literally, I mean, I just went literally, and I didn't go in my closet to create a prayer closet. I went in my closet so that my kids wouldn't see me crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. We all and hide so- sometimes. It's just <laughs> exactly. a necessary coping mechanism, you know? Exactly. You know, and, so and not just, just the women either. I think men men can struggle with control too. I mean, oh, I think yeah. I think if because there are guys that listen to this podcast and I think that if they are in that place where, you know, just getting that gut level honesty with yourself because winter your solution to the problem is was you. Yeah. You you had to make a decision and it's almost like God in his sovereignty put the situations in your life that he did to kind of force your hand in a sense. It's true. You know. I think that God operate he he knows us. <laughs> and he knows how we how we respond. Yeah. Um and so I definitely think he set me up in a way and surrounded me with people and Set, you know, just kind of forced me in a place where I right. had to respond. Well, and not setting you up in a tricking sort of way, no, no, but no. A, but a loving, a, yes, sort a loving of way. way yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. I mean, lots of things could have happened differently. Yeah. Well, and he he knows the outcome in the end, and so a lot of times, what we see as not being good gifts from him. We see adversity or difficulty or emotional distress, uh, you know, maybe the hand you were dealt growing up even. We see it as, well, God isn't being good, but maybe it could possibly be that what we define as good isn't the way he defines good. And uh, he sees the bigger picture that we can't see. And, you know, I love that you were the uh, factor that needed to change in the whole scenario. And God knew that. And yet he knew that you needed a little bit of a push (laughs) to uh, be in a certain set of circumstances and a time that would really get you to a place where you would say, okay, okay, I choose you, God, whatever you're giving. I choose to let go of my control, my need to make the situation into what I think it should be. I'm sure it was scary. I mean, how does a person go from controlling everything, living for themselves, their way or the highway kind of mode, uh, to really letting those barriers and boundaries melt away and allowing your heart to be penetrated by the love of other people and intimacy in relationship? That had to be new. It was, it was very new and it was very scary to be mm-hmm. vulnerable mm-hmm. Um, in that way. And I, it, it was a constant, I spent a lot of time on that floor in the closet <laughs> <laughs> because it was just, it was, and it, it is, and it sounds like, you know, yes, people, you know, you want to just read a book and I can take mm-hmm. these steps and I can do it. Mm-hmm. But even I had all the head knowledge. The next thing I needed to do was just to act on it. Yeah. Um, and so it really was a constant pushing down of myself and my flesh and, and my desires. And it still is. I mean, but that's what being a Christian and being a follower of Christ is about. It's just daily putting down our desires and the things that we want for, for his cause. And so in me, in me, it was, I'm not going to have this fight right now with my husband. I'm I'm not going to look at that person with jealousy. I'm not, it was a constant, just to my, a constant, struck with myself, just saying those things and doing those things and going in the closet, taking a minute and being like, God, I need help right now. Like, yeah. this would be a good time for you to help me out here. And so it just, it was, it was just a constant choice. 
Yeah. And not that I had control because I definitely didn't have control, but the, the choice was mine to make. Um, and so once I made that choice, then God gave me the strength to be able to to follow through on that. Mm, I love that. Do you have any practical things that you were helped by in that season? You know, other people, a church family, counseling, anything that maybe supplemented that pivotal decision to surrender. You know, you had to make that decision to surrender the control, but were there other supplemental supporting things that were in place that assisted you in being able to do that? For sure. Um, Counseling sessions. uh, uh, My husband and I both, you know, did a marriage one together, which was very, very beneficial. Um, Yeah. Sometimes it's just so helpful to have that third party give you feedback, you know, because it's not that you aren't capable of communicating with your person. It's just uh, it's helpful to have that other perspective, a learned and wise perspective. And I think in in having to say things out loud that you necessarily wouldn't, Mm. you wouldn't necessarily say another time, you know, it just is the setup for saying those because, you know, you do most of the talking. I mean, we did the talking. Yeah. He just yeah. needed us to say those things out loud. And definitely a Christian. He was, you know, I would suggest a Christian counselor for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I'd say, you know, just surrounding yourself with with people that um, that love God and, and that love you and want the best for you. And so, you know, and not that every time you talk to those people, you need to talk about your problems, but... They need to just, you need to have friends that um, truly love you and that you can spend time with. And then when needed, you can talk to, but you know that you're getting wisdom um, that will guide you in the right direction. So definitely surrounding myself with people. And then, honest, one of the best things for me was getting involved in Bible studies, Um, Hmm. just women's Bible studies, you know, just getting involved in. And being accountable for studying God's word uh, and and answering, you know, to answer questions about it. And talk and, through it, wrestle through it. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the context of community, because, you know, it's one thing to study at home on our own. But don't you think there's something to be said for going somewhere to a place with people and interacting face to face? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's still I, I'm still involved and actually just started doing leadership in the same Bible study that I started in because I'm so passionate about that. I think it's such a necessity um, to surround yourself in intimate environments with other uh, believers that you can walk with. Yeah, because you need that connection, you need that accountability, you need that encouragement and fellowship, really. It can be lonely. Facing these big issues can be lonely and scary. And scary, yes. This was going to say it can be very scary. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your family and your your kids. I know you have four girls. Yes. Darling, how old are they? They are 10, uh, 8, and then I have twins that are 5. Twins that are? Twins? Ah, so (laughs) fun. I had forgotten you had twins. Yes, and we're a family of girls, and so those are my. And to be honest, I mean, they played a huge part in my um willingness and wanting to to make things better and different. I wanted to be able to give them more than what I was what I was offering. And so Yeah. Um yeah, they they definitely play a huge part in that. As you remember being in those ages, you know, wrestling through this idea of learning about God and yet that disconnect of not really implementing necessarily what you were learning, but you had it as head knowledge. There was like a disconnect there. As your girls are heading into that preteen age, how have you as a mom really thought about what we can do to get our kids to connect what they know to who they are and what they do? Because I think that is really the key question And yet I struggle to ask you that question because I think in your story, what I've heard is that 
you know, God led you on a journey and you had that disconnect for a reason because later he allowed you in your maturity and wisdom to really bring you to a place of surrender. And I think sometimes it's important to try not to micromanage our kids and make sure their lives are like perfect with no problems Mm. because we have to allow God to write their story. Exactly. You know, we have to allow them to wrestle. We can't fix everything and helicopter in and make everything perfect because then they'll never learn to love God for their own selves, you know? So definitely one of my, just on that note, one of my prayers for my girls is constantly that he would use them and that he would have his way in their lives and, you know, raise them to be strong Christian women. But the flip side of that prayer is, Lord, prepare me Mm. to allow them to go on that journey. (laughs) I know. And it's so hard. It is so hard. I know because I have an older son and he's 19 and just going through the teenage years and now as a young adult, he's kind of on his own. It's man winter. (laughs) It is a whole nother level of parenting. And um, the younger years are, are hard. I won't deny, but those years where you're launching and trying to let them make their own decisions and not micromanage and not try to solve everything. Cause really the motivation as a parent is you don't want them to have pain. You know, I've made bad decisions and I know what it feels like and I know the consequences that linger on and I really don't want that for my kids. And yet at the same time, those are the things that help me learn to learn about God and to learn about who I was and who I needed to be in him. All of that to say, Winter, really what I'm trying to ask is, you know, the goal would be to get our kids to connect what they know, what we teach them about God, what they experience as love in our homes, for them to connect that with who they are becoming. And so I'm wondering, as your girls were born and as you're, you know, growing them up in Christ, what have you learned to do that could facilitate that as you're, you know, raising your girls? I think one of the things that that I do on a regular and I think is so important is to, um, to really be involved in my girls' lives. Like I really wanted to know what they're, what they're going through. And I want to be able to teach them to apply God's word and his principle, not in that big theme of God's word, but kind of like, no, what, what does he say about this? So what does he say about, you know, treat how we treat our friends or, what does he say exactly? What does it mean to have, you know live with the fruit of the spirit? Like mm-hmm. you know, just I knew that's a lot of I, I say Christianese, but there's a lot right. of just big terms that um, I knew as a girl. But I, when I started raising my girls, it was okay. Now why didn't I connect that to my mm-hmm. life? Like what was missing? And so I started to look for ways that I could actually teach them those things in a very practical way. Yeah. Um, and so it was, yeah, it just was a, a mission of mine to make sure that I was giving them God's word, not from the big pulpit theme of things, mm-hmm. but that I was giving it to them on a 10 year old's level and right. 11 year old's level and applying the same principle of, you know, that you, that you can see in every book of the Bible, all the principles, I wanted them to be able to apply it in, in their classroom. Right. <laughs> well, and there's so many cliches. I mean, when we grow up in the church, those of us who've grown up in the church, there's a lot of sayings that we are familiar with hearing that really don't make sense. Like Jesus is in your heart. Like right. I know for my five-year-old daughter, in a couple years ago, she was like worried about him in her heart. Like if he was getting oh, squished so or something, you know? And, you know, as an adult growing up in the church, I didn't even think twice about that phrase, but you we really should think about these phrases because they really don't make a lot of sense, you know, because God is spirit and he is with us and the Holy Spirit is with us. And yet explaining some of these concepts, if kids are kids are really literal, don't you think? Oh, for sure. And yes. so I love that you were pursuing, pursuing that. So what was how did you do that? Did did you find resources? Did you did you just start explaining things on your own? What did you do with your I girls? Think it, it was a combination of things. As they were younger, I could find lots of you know resources and just things that kind of with pictures could explain biblical stories. And but as they started getting older, and I could see my now ten year old entering into that world, and I saw a lot of myself, and I was so afraid, honestly, of, of the same thing happening. I didn't want her to be so full of head knowledge that she missed the practical um, mm. 
application and the experience of, of living with Christ. I wanted her to be able to experience that. And so I started to seek out things for her that way and just was couldn't really find anything geared towards that in between. I mean, there was a lot of baby stuff. And so her mm-hmm. little sisters had great resources. And I have lots of resources on hand for when she was going to be a teenager. But it was those resources were kind of trying to draw her back from all the years in between that she right. would have missed. And right. so I just uh, started creating a thing. Honest, it was just a thing I wanted to give her of things. And it's God is so gracious because it was at the time that I was dealing with a lot of my childhood mm-hmm. things. And I saw her growing into that. And so it was all just fresh. And I wanted her mm. to give her things that I missed. And so I was putting together a little booklet of um, just information that I wanted her to have about God's word and wanted her to be able to enjoy it as if it was a magazine or a something for her, you know, that wasn't just a Bible. I wanted her to be able to enjoy it, but I wanted it to be full of God's word. And so I created this little booklet and it's now turned into a magazine and a devotional, which is for girls like you. But it really just started as messages from me to my daughter. And I thought maybe, you know, her and some of her friends could do it together. So I put some quizzes in there to just get them to start thinking about uh, what they knew about God, but what did this look like? you know, when they were dealing with friendship drama or, yes, you know, it's so much it, friendship it, drama. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Even at that young age, I mean, yeah. I think she was seven when I started and I could already start seeing that. Oh yeah. Oh, and I yeah. wanted to catch it. And so I just thought, you know what, I'll do some quizzes because all girls love quizzes and yes. anything for, you know, a 10 year old, there, there wasn't, I mean, a seven year old, there weren't many quizzes available that weren't like boyfriend or right. fashion or frenemy. Right. Um, and so I wanted her to be able to have these quizzes, answer the questions, but I wanted them all to kind of point her to God's word and what he was saying about a certain situation. And so I put it together just in a little booklet format as I was doing it. My husband was looking at me like, babe, I think you've got something more here. I think, you know, you aren't the only little girl that missed it and our girls aren't the only ones that need it. Right. And so um, we just, you know, started sharing it with other people and now it's kind of grown into a quarterly print magazine and each issue is different, but they all just have practical lifestyle tips for tween, (laughs) that little term tween girls, just fun things that they can enjoy, but just ways to show them how they can also live for God where they are in their everyday lives. Okay. So what started out as you processing your own stuff, your surrender, your lack of control, you're like, I want this for my daughters. So is that where you started the website? That's when I started the website because then I realized, well, you know what? There are probably lots of moms out there who are dealing with some of the same issues as well. And so, you know, I started the website and just kind of blogging on there for moms, but then offering these resources and practical Mm -hmm. tips for their girls. And I I will say that a lot of growing up, um, for me anyway, and my mom didn't necessarily do this on purpose, but it's how I process was a lot of do's and don'ts and, and the rules of things. And so I wanted my daughter to know that like, you know, God is a yes God and he, he's not just telling us we can't wear this and we can't do that. And so I, so when I was giving her that information, I wasn't just writing it kind of like a letter. I just, I was designing pictures and making it fun um, to captivate her attention and that it looked like, you know what, this is what I like to do. Let me see what this says. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So just wanted it to look like something that was just designed specially for, for her, um, and yeah, so now it's just been neat to see how God has has used so much brokenness and um, mm. places of, of hurt that needed needed him so badly, how he's used that to to kind of minister mm-hmm. to other people. I love how he takes our story and he births out of it some way that our passion can give back to the world. And I think that is really what is happening with your magazine, your blog, and now your book. You have a book called For Girls Like You, A Devotional for Tweens, and it just released this last month. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little scoop behind how that book came to be, because I have a copy that you so graciously sent me, and I've been going through it with my 12-year-old daughter, and You've got little devotionals that are short and easily consumable. They're not long chapters at all, and they have really practical stories. Tell me 
the background of how this book came to be and what your passion is for it. Well, I was doing the magazine for, you know, in the the whole website thing for a little while. And, you know, it just was a God thing where he opened doors for me to be able to get in front of some publishers and that sort of thing. And they were interested. And so we brainstormed through some ways, some resources and things to do and really just settled down on the thought of, you know what, a devotional that is just bite-sized pieces of the same themes of things I want my girls to know in a format and in a, in a way that they can get it. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of the goal of, of the devotional is just bite-sized pieces of who God is um, mm-hmm. and what he has to say about certain things in a format that they can get it. And so it was a neat experience to write because a lot of the times it would be something that I was dealing with or talking to my 10-year-olds about. And as we're talking about it, not on purpose, but just things that she's dealing with and me just being, you know, in conversation with her. Right. I would say, you know what, that's, I'm going to write that tonight. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's something that God wants, you know, us to know about him even now. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of things that I dealt with as a little girl, mm-hmm. situations where, you know, selfishness or, you know, at the time it was over doll babies or whatever it is. Just, you know, I just used a lot of those things and lots of conversations with my mom and my brother and kind of like, do you remember that time that this happened? And thinking about a way that I could use that to shine some insight onto what God God wants us to know um, about him, wants his girls to know about him. And so it was a lot of fun to write. Um, It's been a lot of fun to, to actually do now and with my own girls, because I wrote it and now that it's here, we kind of been going through it together and it's been a neat experience to see how God is using just pieces and putting them together to, to teach his love. Well, what I love so much about it is it's not like you sat down and said, I want to write a book. What could I write about? What I love is that you were living this message. You were in the trenches with your girls, having conversations in the car on the way home from school, trying to handle the issues that the heart of a 10-year-old faces. And out of that was birthed thoughts about what she should know about God. And you are so graciously sharing it with the world in the form of a published book. And it's a beautiful thing, Winter, really is. It's a really awesome gift to the world. And a way as moms and dads, we can have a tool to really have conversation starters with our girls, you know, because these are issues that they're facing. And um, I love that you didn't hoard it to yourself, but that you shared it with the world. And I'm just hoping and praying that this will meet a lot of families and draw a lot of little hearts toward God, that they would know that no matter what they do, no matter what they fail to do, that God loves them no matter what. That is the prayer. Yeah. Just very grateful that God even allowed me the opportunity to do it. It's just a neat thing to think about. Um, you know, somebody with my story and my history and all mm. that, that God can use those pieces. To- Absolutely. Well, and it gives hope, you know, for those who are listening today, no matter where they are, that the things that we face in life, God doesn't waste them. He doesn't waste our mud. He he redeems it in time. And sometimes it's just he's waiting, waiting, waiting for us to just say yes to him, to surrender our control, to surrender our will, to let him have his way so that he can do beautiful things through us. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your heart. I just so appreciate it. And um, where can everyone find you online? Maybe they want to get your magazine quarterly, or they want to get a copy of this book, how can they find you online? They can find me at four girls like you. So F-O-R, not the number, but four girls like you, um, dot com. Dot and com. there's links for the book and the, you know, it's the book is on Amazon and I'll put all the links in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And then you're on social media too, so they can track you down. Yeah. Oh, well, it's been a gift to get to connect with you and talk with you. And I've had the privilege to meet you in person, which I loved a couple of times. And I hope to again soon. Yes. I'm so so grateful. Thank you for um, just this conversation today was just great. And I've loved meeting you and I'm just grateful that God has connected our paths and I know. Happy to, to be on today. I loved it. Well, appreciate you and I hope you have an amazing day. 
You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, that's all for this episode. Don't forget, you can get the Mud Stories app for free, which is an app for this podcast, by going to JackieWatkins.com forward slash Apple app if you have an Apple device, or JackieWatkins.com forward slash Android app if you have an Android device. And by using that app, you can catch up on any episode, anytime, wherever you are. Also, if you love audio like me, listening as you walk or drive or as you stay busy with your hands, you can get an audiobook today for free by going to mudstoriesbook.com. You can just sign up for a free 30-day trial, which you can cancel at any time. No obligation required. And by doing so, you can get any audiobook of your choice and you can download it for free today. By doing that, you are helping to sponsor this podcast for what I'm doing here at Mud Stories in helping bring more encouragement each and every week to people who are facing mud. And so my thank you to you if you take advantage of that. So I'd love for you to enjoy it, mudstoriesbook.com. Also, I am so very thankful for each and every one of you. So many of you showed up the past few weeks to hear my conversation with Elizabeth Foss. And if you are my new friend because of Elizabeth, I just want to say welcome to you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here. And if any of these episodes, if any of you have had any of them encourage you or inspire you or help you in any way in whatever mud you're facing, it would be such a gift to me and I would love it if you would today just text one friend right now who you think would be encouraged also by this podcast. You know, you are my greatest help in spreading the word about what we're doing here at Mud Stories about this podcast and you should know that I care so much about each and every one of you. I look forward to hearing from you if you have time to reach out to me, um, if you do that by emailing me or leaving me a voicemail message or even a review on iTunes. I love hearing from you and it's my honor and privilege to pray for you regularly as you wade through whatever mud you're in right now. Because we all have mud, even I have mud. So you're not alone. Also, don't forget you can find the links to everything mentioned in this episode over at mudstories.com or jackiewatkins.com forward slash episode 35, including all of Winter's information, the links to her devotional book for tween girls that's entitled For Girls Like You, and also you can follow along with her trip to Uganda this coming week with the ministry called Soul Hope, and that's S-O-L-E. H-O-P-E. And they're just doing amazingly wonderful things. And, you know, if you check them out at their website, you can, you know, organize a party to cut out old jeans that you can mail to Uganda and they turn those into shoes for kids. And it's amazing and awesome. I have a link to Winter's post about that. And she has a link also to Soul Hope. So, Anyway, just I would love for you to follow along there. They are doing incredible things, um, helping out kids in Uganda. And so today, no matter what you're facing, no matter where you've been or what lies ahead, may you find your own grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. Never in you ever feels a press upon my mind A pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I never in you, mother, feel to press upon my shame that leaves me a little bit blind I can't 
song to sing, a grateful song to sing. 